This is Kit Simons and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello, it's another break in championship action for yet another round of international fixtures. Annoyingly, right when the Whites are on a lovely little roll of six wins in a row too. But we're still here to talk all things Fulham as we have a look back at what we've achieved so far this season and look forward to just how far this Fulham team can go this time. Mr Fulham focus himself, Danny Smith is here, as is football finances expert Tristan Poturicic. Plus, we welcome Sky Sports EFL editor Simeon Golan, who's here to give a view from outside of the Fulham fan base. My name is Matt Boisclair, and this is your Fulham Focus Podcast. Fulham. All right, Simeon, come to you first. How are you doing, mate? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, good, mate. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here. It's great. Great stuff, great stuff. Have, have you seen much of Fulham this season? Well, you seem to be on Sky Sports every other week, and when I can, obviously it's hard for me to watch them when they're three PM because there's so much else going on. But I've seen every game that's been on Sky, caught up extended highlights when I can, and obviously all the analysis, all the talks been of Fulham because obviously at this stage of the season, it's the teams at the top, and you are right up there, thanks to Alexander Mitrovic, Marco Silva, and Co. So it's all going pretty well for you guys. I'm sure you're all buzzing at the moment. So. Yeah, we uh, we had, we were talking just before we came on about the fact that you lot keep moving our fixtures, but that's that's the that's the price of success, I suppose. And I think our, our form on Sky this season has been all right. I can only think of the Coventry one that we've lost. Um, we had the the seven nil against Blackburn last week as well. So yeah, I guess I guess all the while we're winning, I'm happy to be on TV. But some of those twelve thirty kickoffs, man, they they are a pest to get to. I can only apologise on behalf of whoever moves the games to Sky. It's not me. I can assure you of that. <laughs> Sometimes I see the schedule and I sigh as well from when some of the games are. But what I can tell you is when we don't show teams games, we get just as many complaints about the fact they're never on Sky as well. So if you're on Sky in the championship, it means you're probably doing well. So you've just got to sort of Hmm. take it as you can. It's the whole thing about being last on match of the day that everybody always complains about as well, isn't it? Yeah, nice one. Uh, Tristan, how you doing, mate? Yeah, good. Yeah, obviously, um, just the last couple of these I've I've come on, we've been quite upbeat. It's um, hmm. yeah, it's been a been a been a great little start to the season, really. So yeah, all all, all good, enjoying it, um, managing to get to most of the games as well. So that's that's what you want, isn't it? Yeah, seen you a few times this season as well. So yeah, good good to see you. Good to have you back on, mate. And Danny, how you doing? Hello, mate. Yeah, really good. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm well. I'm well. How's your How's your son's football team getting on? Yeah, yeah, no, they're doing well. It's obviously um, taking over the coaching his teams meant that Fulham has suffered a little bit. But uh, maybe, maybe uh, me being away is a good thing because seems to be doing a lot better when I don't go. So, but it's uh, loving it, loving loving coaching his team, loving watching the brand of football we're playing at the moment. And yeah, I'm really really optimistic. I think it's going to be a really special season. Yeah, it's all set up for you to take over from Marco Silva one of these days, isn't it? I reckon. <laughs> well, with all those rumours about Boa going, but you know, small steps. I'll, I'll be his number two first. You know, see how we go. <laughs> nice one. All right, let's crack on with the show then, lads. So, aside from the odd blip here and there, it's been pretty fun since the season began in August, hasn't it? There was a, a lot of talk about the value of our squad at the beginning of the season, but 
we were a wounded animal last season. The change of manager and ultimately the change in the way we attack has been a breath of fresh air so far, hasn't it? Tristan, I'll come to you first. What have you made of Marco Silva? I yeah, good. It's, it's been good. I've loved the. I mean, the, the the style of football's been great. I think you know, I, I I was pretty firm at the start of the season that I think we, look when we did the transfer the, the, the first show. I think we, we we've ended up pretty much calling what we thought we could afford to do from a transfer business, and we we we, we called that pretty well at the time. And and we said then that with the squad we've got. You know, any really competent manager should have us, have us up there challenging. But I think the the style of football's been a breath of fresh air. And also, I, I mentioned it last time we were on the, the just watching the players play with a smile on their face is just so nice. Um, you know, and, and and especially the likes of Mitro. So yeah, it's been it's been really good. And I think he's obviously been key. And and we've got a manager that, that probably similar to Jakanovic as. He did with 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 you know with Sessignon and Johansson and players like that supporting Mitrovic. He's got the players around him close enough to him um, for him to make the impact on on the on the games that that he has done. And 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 obviously we talked about it at length. I think that was the biggest issue under Parker was we 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 just weren't progressive enough to get the players around Mitrovic, which is what you really need. Yeah, for for, for me, so it's breath of fresh air having Silva compared to Parker and. I know there a lot of comparisons will be made and, and people, uh, I'm sure, are hoping for Scott Parker to fail. For me, he's irrelevant. Him being top of the league and doing well, he's no shock to me. I, I do think he's going to have a decent managerial career. Um, but even being second behind Parker, I still think the decision is 100% justified because football isn't just about results. It's about having enjoyment when you watch it you know that that promotion under Parker is probably the most forgettable promotion you could ask for um apart from beating Brentford in the final it was it was like watching paint dry so there's there's more to, to life than just winning you know and and I would rather have the odd blip like Coventry and Blackpool when 90% of the time we are playing with intact, attacking intent scoring goals for fun and you, like you said, you know, seeing the players with with a smile on their face, they look like they're enjoying it. Uh, so for me, Silver was a brilliant appointment, and it's almost Tagana esque in in as much as I feel like we was at a point where we needed someone who was going to take the club to a Premier League mentality, and I feel like he he has lifted us up a level in the same way Tagana did. So that if we do go up this time, I just, I just think the whole mindset of the club is is more ready for Premier League football under Slav and Parker. It felt like it felt to me like Championship managers doing enough to get us up. And this time round, I, I feel like we're in a more of a Tagana sort of a position. So I, very, I, I, very very optimistic and very happy. I broadly agree with you, Danny. I think the one the one thing I'd say is that the the, the Yukanovic and Parker situations I think were a bit different. I think un, under Yukanovic, you you had a situation where we, we the the recruitment that summer was was atrocious and scattergun, and we've covered that loads. But the fact that we we basically started the the, the season at home to Crystal Palace with the same defence. Um, you, you you know and 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 even some of them weren't fit. I think Reem was was injured when he and Adoy were suspended. So actually, it was probably a weaker defence than we had in the championship. And I think with Parker, the 
the, the the squad was was probably slightly more ready at the start. But actually, there were still massive problems with it, and I think the, the 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 structure of the squad was all wrong under Parker for the the type of football he wanted to play and a bit more defence mind. We just we we didn't have the players available that could kind of invite that pressure on and counter attack and stuff like that. So I think the problems were slightly different, but I do agree. I think we're looking like we're much more ready this season, and obviously, you know, if we get automatic promotion, then. You, you give yourself another month straight away in terms of being able to do something with the squad after promotion than you do going up by the playoffs. Well, well let's bring uh, Simeon in on this because obviously he's seeing it from a different point of view as a neutral. Scott Parker or Marco Silva, you know, what? where do you stand on it? Who, who would you rather have as your manager? Um, from... A current perspective from a Fulham fan, I mean, you guys must be having a lot of fun at the moment because the football is a lot more exciting than it was. In comparing it to the Championship season under Scott Parker, the Premier League season was a different kettle of fish altogether, obviously. But that season you went up, obviously I covered it. I went to a lot of games, I saw it. I always felt like that team was less than the sum of its parts because Parker was trying to bring a philosophy into the squad that he didn't necessarily have the players for at times, especially Mitrovic. Mitrovic scored a lot of goals that season, but it was incredible that he scored 26 goals that season because it felt like sometimes he'd get one chance in a game and find the back of the net. This feels like altogether different to me. I I said several times, I mean, exactly I've said several times, I thought Mitrovic got 26 in spite of Parker, not because of Parker. Whereas I think you're now seeing what 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 he can do under a manager who's got that belief and he's playing in the system right. So I to- totally agree with that. I think he he did incredibly well, and and got dropped for the last eight games of the season. And I think the hmm. the, the the thing with him and Parker probably goes back as far as that actually. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great point. That team you had two seasons ago should have been strong enough to go up in the top two, as far as I'm concerned. And because of that. I was sceptical of Parker. Obviously, he has done brilliantly with Bournemouth now because maybe he has a squad that seems to fit more of what he's trying to do. Like he has Solanke up front for him now, who is a proper... I, I actually interviewed Parker last week because he, he won manager of the month and he was talking about Solanke, what a kind of number nine workhorse he is. Scores goals as well, but he's not in the, in the same cut as Mitrovic in that kind of sort of mm-hmm. system and that situation. So it seems what he has now works better for him at Fulham where you have kind of a team of sort of championship superstars that you're trying to get to pull in a specific direction. And it felt like it it wasn't quite all there, but because your squad was so good. I remember leaving a lot of Fulham games or watching a lot of Fulham games that season and being like, how did you win that? How did they win that? Where they kind of only had one or two chances. And then that, but that was enough in the end. And then obviously you got to the playoff final, played Brentford, everyone backed Brentford. And I, I backed Fulham that season in the playoffs just because of Mitrovic. And as it turns out, Mitrovic didn't actually play in the playoffs really, apart from at the end of the final. But he still got through because he had a few other players like Onoma who just had incredible games in the semi-final. And he just got there. And obviously, Joe Bryan, the rest is history in the, with the free kick. Mitrovic came came on in that game, didn't he? Right at the end to just uh, as kind mm. of all or nothing at the end of the final, wasn't it? And he admitted afterwards that he was he was absolutely not fit, but he, he got involved in the second goal, didn't he? he set up Joe yeah. Ryan for the second goal. Um, but you know, let, let, let's talk about Mitrovic. I mean, frozen out last season by Scott Parker, twenty championship goals in record time of just seventeen games. He's just been unbelievable, lads, hasn't he? What a player! What a guy! Yeah, I've, I, it's, so as, as you guys know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm half Serbian, so I, I, and I go over to Belgrade quite a lot. I actually saw Mitrovic 
in 2012. Took a couple of uh, Fulham fans with me, actually. Sam Diamond, a couple of Fulham fans come over with me. Um, and, and saw him in 2012 in one of the first professional games he played, which was the partisan Red Star derby. And um, he scored after about eight minutes. <laughs> and, and he was he was a 17-year-old kid playing in a 55,000 hostile flares being lobbed at him at, at the Red Star ground and, 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 you know, scored. Funnily enough, Lazar Markovic was playing also in that game and set him, set him up, Legend. funnily enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you, you know, he's, he then got into the, the, the Serbian national side very young. So he's someone that I've watched a lot of before he'd even come to Fulham. And, you know, I've, I've always had a feeling that, you, you, you know, under the right management in, in any division in this country, he'd score goals. Um, but he's not quite had that in the Premier League. This season, his confidence is back. He's looked as fit as I think I've probably seen him since his early Anderlecht days, realistically. Um, and 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 he's 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 got that kind of maturity that he seemed to have under Jukanovic a little bit. He, he got a bit hot headed under Ranieri and Parker, but that maturity seems to have come back into his game. And for for, for me, he's kind of almost the captain without the armband at, at the moment. He's he's very much adopting a leadership position. You can tell how he's talking to players. So I think everything's there with his game, and it's been a bit of an explosion. The only the only thing in the back of my mind at the moment that I'm a little bit nervous about is is this international break because it's such a massive one for Serbia, and of course the last really really massive one for Serbia was the the, the Scotland one, um, which he missed the penalty that was decisive. Serbia didn't qualify, and it it he was already low on confidence in it, but it seemed to completely derail him emotionally, and 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 I could see if something similar happened in the Portugal game that could that could be a bit of an issue. Although I think we've got a manager who would probably deal with that a little bit better um, than, than dropping him immediately, <laughs> as happened last time. But it's it, it's something that I'm just a little bit nervous about. This I need to get through this international. Hopefully, Serbia will win in Portugal and they'll qualify, and that'll be that. But um, yeah, just keep an eye on that. Hopefully, he'll, he'll have a good game, and that'll be that'll be the end of it. Yeah, I mean, the big difference for me is that it feels like he's being coached. Um, he, he's more involved in the play rather than just being, you know, the the big target man up front that we just feed the chances to. He, he's more involved in the setups. Um, he drops deeper um, to receive the ball, and then you've got the runners coming off of him. And his, his whole game has come on uh, this I, season. I, I I agree. I think some of his passing as well, Danny, has been. I mean, th- there's two that spring out for me. There was one in the Swansea game where he pinged that. Crossfield ball across to Reed, who, who spammed it over the bar. But that, 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 I mean, that was an, uh, just an inch perfect ball played. And the one for Wilson at, at, at Blackburn, you know, again, just, just got the ball deep and he's pinged a 40, 50 yard crossfield ball, kind of almost Stephen Gerrard like, you, you, you know, and he's done a couple of them this season, which is something that even I, I'm saying I've, I've, I've watched him for the best part of a decade and it's not something I even knew he had in his locker. So that, that vision and that that ability from a bit deeper is 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 really impressing me this season, and I think it's one of the one of the biggest improvements to his game. Actually, I mean, I, I know it, like when you compare in like talent wise, he will never be in the same league as Louis Sahar, and and that's probably why he's still at Fulham because he was he's never going to be good enough to go to a club like Man United. And but in terms of greatness, for me, greatness isn't just about talent it's, it's it's about loyalty uh achievement 
uh, what he means to the fans, that connection he has with the fans. And just the, for me, if he, in my lifetime, he's the striker that's got the full package. Um, he's just, he ticks every box to be a great Fulham player. Um, and, you know, I, I said it at the start of the season um, that if if he he's the top goal scorer and he leads us to the Premier League for the third time um, in consecutive promotions, really, you know, three, three attempts at promotions, three successful ones. Yeah. How can he not go down as one of our greatest players? Because he's been a vital component in all three promotions. Um, for me, you know, like, this, this and what he's doing at the moment, you know, he could break Frank Newton's record for yeah. most goals scored in the season. Uh, only um, nobody has scored thirty plus goals in the league for us since Bedford Jazzard. I mean, even like our greatest goal scorer, Gordon Davis, never got anywhere near thirty. So we we are. I'm putting him on on that level with those guys. I'm not saying he, he was a better player, but in terms of greatness. I think what he's achieving, he's he's going to go down as one of our greatest. I think I think something special is happening at the moment. Yeah, I I agree. And you've, you you know you've mentioned a couple there, and it's the fact that you know he could have two or three claims to that greatness. I think not only the longevity and the three promotions, but also he could end up as our top, or certainly one of the top scorers season. I and, and I, I I I will say, Danny, I said to you at the start of the season. He could, under the right management in the right system, he could do something outlandish this season. So I'm, 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 I'm sticking my my flag in the sand on that one because I said that before the ball had been kicked. But you know, and and also, you know, he's probably going to get 200 goals for the club this season or or, or early next. He's, he's he's at that kind of scoring rate at the moment where that's possible. So I think all round, absolutely, I'd agree. Um, I interviewed him a couple of seasons ago, and we keep dropping in the people, the Fulham players and managers have interviewed. I apologise for that in advance, but he's. I went down to Motspur Park, and I was quite taken aback by how sort of shy he was and reserved, because obviously a, a lot of his previous on pitch persona, this was a couple of years ago, wasn't really like that in terms of the kind of player he was on the pitch. But he's very, very happy at Fulham. It, it, it never ever seemed like he was going to leave, even that season, sort of January. You know the the top scorers in the championship always watched by the clubs above and stuff. And mm. he just, he just, he loves being at the club. He's settled in London and he just, he's, he appreciates so much what Fulham did for him because of how difficult he found it in Newcastle that he felt like he needed to repay them. One thing I think that maybe got a little bit overlooked from certainly an outside perspective last season is how much missing out on the Euros with Serbia would have affected him in the second half of last season with the way it went, especially for him with the penalty and stuff in the, the qualifiers or the Nations League, however it works now for the European Championship qualifiers. I don't think he ever really properly recovered from that and that affected his morale. And obviously there was the stuff with Parker as well. But I mean, this season he has been absolutely brilliant and it's just, he, he looks unstoppable and it just looks like, I mean, the, the record in the Championship anyway, I know we've got all the historical records is Ivan Tony last season. He could pass that by Christmas, the way he's going at the moment. It is just ridiculous, quite frankly. Yeah, it's got it's got to it's Simeon, it's got to the point now. I said to my wife the other day, I've almost his part of me that's almost stopped celebrating his goals and I just burst out laughing because it's because it's just so ridiculous. It's yeah. like, oh, fuck, like Mitro scored again. And it's very and, and and you you know, I alluded to it, you 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 said it again there. I I think that was the big problem last season was after that that Scotland game, he basically needed an arm around his shoulder. And what happened was he was literally dropped from the first team squad the, the very next game and Never mm. got to play with the new signings that improved the defense and stuff like that. So just 
yeah, it was it it, it did have a massive impact. You you you're spot on. Let's move on then, folks, because we got a, a, a quite a packed agenda still. There's there's been a lot of heroes so far. Obviously, Mitrovic is the one who's grabbing all the headlines, but. The renaissance of Jean-Michel Serri, a man whose Fulham career seemed well and truly over after a poor first season and then two seasons out on loan after that as well. But he's come in and established himself as one of the best players in the division. And, and not only that, but after having had that, that time away and, you know, came with quite a big tra- uh, transfer fee over his head, didn't really achieve anything with the club. The fans have just taken to him again, haven't they, Danny? So I, I think it's a, a really interesting relationship that's developed there between Seri and the Fulham fans. And at this level, he's just a cheap player, isn't he? Yeah, well, well I think like the history with that signing, obviously how much he cost um, and uh, like how it hasn't quite worked out how, how we hoped it would especially with two relegations in that. Um, it's credit to both him and the manager that they have somehow trans- transformed him into a player that looks really happy, that the fans appreciate and that his teammates appreciate. Um, he, for me, if you take Mitrovic out of the equation, he is our player of the season. Um, I have reserva- reservations of, over whether he's good enough for the Premier League. Um, so he was, he, I think in the Championship... You get a lot more time on the ball and, and I think it's quite easy for him. But I I can't criticise his performances. I think he's been absolutely pivotal to the way uh, Silver has set us up. And he just, he gives, even like players like Harrison Reed have the licence to get forward now. Um, and yeah, it, it's, I, if, if he stays fit, I I mean I I think he's got to be one of the front runners for player of the season. Obviously he won't win it because Mitrovic will. But it, for me, credit full respect to him and to Silva that we're even having this conversation because it's funny. You know you you rewind to like the end of July and and I Seri wasn't even an option and, and I think most fans would have quite happily kept Angisa over Seri. But as soon as Seri got into the team at Huddersfield away. I think everybody was uh, um, united that it was the other way around. I wasn't that fussed about getting rid of Anguissa. Um, I, I felt like Seri was the one to keep. And it's just it's just mad how your opinion and your perception of people can change overnight. So uh, we are also fickle as fans. You know, I just, just want to throw that out there that, you know, that although he's doing really well, I don't think it would take much for us, him to be enemy number one again if, if all of a sudden... <laughs> Uh, he was useless again if we get promoted. So I'm not saying that he's completely turned it around. There was a lot of damage to uh, rectify. But how how can you, you know, at the end of the day, at fans, all we care about is the players giving 100% and doing their best for the club. And there's always two sides to every story. We don't know why he didn't play for two or three seasons. You know, we don't know if it was him or the managers. So the fact that he's got a manager that believes in him and he's he's taking that opportunity, fair play to him. You know, I, I think he deserves his song. It's a great song and, and I hope the fans keep singing it because uh, it's clearly getting the best out of him. He had become sort of the emblem of doing a Fulham-style recruitment, hadn't he, when he first arrived? And he was like the, the flagship failure signing almost because there was all this hype around him. I remember I have so many friends who are Fulham fans. They're all like, oh, Barcelona are interested. He's going to run the Premier League, this, that and the other. From the moment he arrived, it wasn't even like a few games in. It almost seemed like he didn't really want to be there fairly quickly from the moment he arrived. I'd love to know what Marco Silva said to him in the summer or whenever it was 
to actually get him to stay and play and do this. Because now he looks like he looks a different player. He looks like he wants to be there. He looks like he wants to play. He looks like he wants to do his best for the club. And quite frankly, maybe he's just realised when he plays in the championship, it's like when a, an adult plays with a bunch of sort of twelve-year-olds in a <laughs> in a cage in a playground or something. Because he is just he's just so much better than most other championship midfielders. Not as a discredit to other championship midfielders, because based on his ability and where he should be as a thirty-year-old in his career, he shouldn't be playing in the championship. But I mean, it's fantastic for you guys that he is, and if he can keep this up, and he'll he'll be an asset in the Premier League as well. If he if this head stays with him and he can keep going the way he is now. Because he is, he is just brilliant. He's so talented. He's so gifted and he's just so good at what he does. Yeah, I think I think that's the, the, there's an interesting point in there where you sort of said you don't know what went on at first and, he, you know, he didn't really look. I think like it was in the press. I mean, it, there, there was this thing where, um, you know, the way the deal was negotiated, that he actually ended up suing the selling club um because they they apportioned more of the sale to Lamarche and, and in doing so avoided paying him a I think it was one million euro loyalty bonus or something like that was what was reported and like that obviously if you're suing the club that said that there's a bit of a bad taste around the transfer straight away before you've even kicked a ball so I I don't you know put, and then there's a court case going on so potentially that could have had some impact on it um and I think you know you come from France, and 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 it's it, it's a bit of a culture shock as well in terms of the way the football's played. So um, I I do agree with Dan. What he's, he's been brilliant this season, and I don't want anyone who, who you know hears what I'm about to say to take it as a criticism of this this season because he's been outstanding. But when we when when we did have him in the Premier League, what what I've noticed this season is a lot. He plays a lot of balls where. The, the the midfielder or the the attacker that's that's closing him down gets really close to him and then he just toe ends it away and he gets it to his player and he gets that pass off at the last minute and then that 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 really makes me just remember in the Premier League I mean there was the Chelsea away game where where he gave the ball away in the first couple of minutes and the second was just closed down too quickly didn't get it away and they scored and you know there was a couple of them in the Premier League and that was one of the major problems with him was that he was just closed down a bit too quickly and he didn't get the ball away he didn't quite have that that speed of thought in in the Premier League and and cost us turnovers in possession quite often, and and so I would be quite nervous about going up with him, kind of in our in our mind in our squad as a as first choice for that position, and I think it would be quite dangerous to close the transfer window with that being the case. I think he'd absolutely be part of a good midfield unit as a, a you know as a player who who definitely contribute to the squad but i'm not convinced that what what we saw in the premier league last time wouldn't wouldn't almost revert a little bit because of that because that doesn't happen in the championship and he does just get those balls away in time so i i'm a little nervy there as well as as dan said i'm not 100% convinced but no question he's having a brilliant brilliant season and 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 again I think he's complimented by the players around him yeah and and it's not um necess- it's not trying to be negative about him like saying yeah. I don't think he I'm not 100% um he could play that role in the Premier League it, you know we when we went up under Slav we had Kevin McDonald playing a similar role uh where he was the deep lying playmaker um you know controlling the tempo of the game but as much as we love Kevin I don't think there's a Fulham fan on earth that believed he could cope with the Premier League, the pace of the Premier League, you know, because he was a, a solid championship player. And although he was an integral part of the team that got us up, every, having 
important players in the championship doesn't necessarily mean that they're gonna they have to take that next step with you and be that player in the Premier League. You know, they've almost served their purpose for getting you promoted. I know it's, it sounds harsh, but Kevin McDonald played his role perfectly, and then it, when we went up, it was time to replace him and, and have him as a squad player. And I feel like that could be the same way we go with Seri. I, I don't think he's going to be as vital. I, I think he'd be more of a rotation player. All right, let's let's move on from Seri then again. Uh, whilst we're on the subject of midfielders, we should talk about Fabio Carvalho. He's been unlucky with injury after his explosive start to the season. It seems inevitable that he's destined for the very top. But once he's fit again, I think we should try and squeeze every last drop out of this situation before he moves on. I mean, there's rumours that he's been offered a contract that he's turned down and that we're not going to go back in and offer him anything else so he could could move for, for peanuts in the next few months. Um, Simeon, what, what have you made of Carvalho this season? He's, he's an incredible player again at this level, isn't he? I mean, he's probably the one good thing you can take from last season and in that mm. if you weren't so done for with those few games to go he might not have got a look in and Parker might have gone for a bit more experience in those positions so and that's not to say that Marco Silva wouldn't have come in straight away and thrown him in but he showed in a few games what he could do so he had that confidence going into the season for you guys and obviously you guys as soon as he got that injured he had that little you had that little wobble in September and then it looked like oh my is our entire team based around a teenager yeah. who might not sign a new contract, but obviously then we steady the ship, tweak things, and now it's all good. But he is he's, he is very, he's unbelievably talented. I asked Marcus Silver about him when I spoke to him a few weeks ago, and he said he almost wanted to be reserved on him because, again, maybe he doesn't want it to get out too much that how good he is. But obviously everyone's watching him. He could end up anywhere. He is brilliant, and it would be a real shame if he didn't stay at Fulham because we see so often with these players that move to these big clubs at too young an age don't play and it sort of hinders their development a lot. So from a, a personal perspective, I'd love him to stay at Fulham in the championship playing well. Obviously, you guys are going to go up. I don't cover the Premier League, so you, you stop being my problem next season. But <laughs> I, either way, he won't be playing in the championship next season. I just hope he stays at Fulham and just plays every week, basically. But it doesn't look like he will at the moment, which is a real shame. Yeah, I th- I, it, I mean, this is a difficult one for me because I think I, I, I'm always a little bit reticent to get too involved in the in the gossip because obviously as we all know things can be very different and my my, my understand the, the thing that i've heard from a couple of reasonably good sources is that actually that you know the position is that he's changing agent at the end of this calendar year and no decisions are going to be made on his contract until he's with his new agent which makes perfect sense why would you you know sign a new contract or or whatever if you're about to move agency so so so, so that's kind of what what i'd been told a couple of weeks ago that that, that that people had heard was the situation with his contract. In in terms of what you, you open with, Matt, I'd, I'd, all I can say is I totally agree. I think you squeeze as much out of it as you can. Um, because if nothing else, if he ends up going somewhere in, if he goes abroad, then we're screwed anyway. We don't get any money for it pretty much. But if he goes somewhere in the, in the Premier League, then at least the compensation that we get the tribunal... Um, generally tends to be scaled up depending on the number of performances and stuff like that. And we'd probably get, we'd, we'd get more for him if he was a regular member of the the, the, the team for the second half of the season than, than, than if we kind of shunted him to the under 23s and, and didn't play him. So I, th- I think absolutely you use him. Um, I actually don't think we need to. I think um, Simeon touched on it. We did have a wobble when he first went out, um, but we seem to have steadied the ship and we haven't really missed him in recent weeks. 
it'd be a great person to have, you know, committed and focused for the rest of the season. But I, I think we can we can manage without him. Um, but I would still be, yeah, I'd, I'd be playing him where we need to. And I think we need, you, you know, look, there, there's a lot of squad rotation that's required with the the number of games we've got. So, so certainly from that point of view, he's he's very handy to have in the squad. Danny, if if you were to give Fabio Carvalho some advice that didn't involve money, didn't involve agents, but just involved the football side, bearing in mind his age, the style of football that we're playing and how he fits into this team, would you say to him, stick at Fulham for a couple of years, go and, go and find your feet as a professional footballer at Fulham in this side under Marco Silva, or go and sign for Real Madrid and sit in their reserves, go out on loan to some second division Spanish side and then get get lost in, in you know, the, the kind of football pyramid somewhere. Well, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Surely. Stay here, mate. Yeah, I, I, it's, a, it's a difficult one because obviously we, we are emotionally attached to Fulham. So uh, we, we would say stay because that's what we want him to do. And, yeah. and I think in general... It is best for you, those those younger players to stay somewhere where they're they're playing uh, and playing regularly and, and learning their trade before they go take the big leap to to a top club. But then I, I, I don't like bringing his name up, but it's hard to argue that Harvey Elliott didn't make the right decision because although um, you know he, he got injured and he's going to be out for a while, that's just unlucky. He 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 had his little spell on loan at Blackburn and. I think he was going to be a big part of Liverpool's plans this season, and and he is evident the other evidence the other way that if you are good enough, you can do it. So I, I think it depends where Fabio um, Fabio's minds at, where he how good he thinks he he can be. Um, like if it, this was Ryan Sessegnon, then for me it's an absolute no brainer. He has to stay. He doesn't go to Tottenham because he I, for me he was never good enough. Never good enough to take that jump. He, he was like he was in a, a really good place with us, but with Fabio, it's hard to tell. I, I, I do think what Tristan said about um, us not actually missing him that much now, I think is a really good thing because it might rein him in a little bit and make him realise that actually it's not all about him. The team we're, we're a good team, whether he plays or not. Um, but and it might make him like hungry to get back in the team again. Well, I would advise him to stay. I would advise him yeah. to stay because I, I think there's there's more examples of kids going too soon and then becoming a Patrick Roberts than there is of them actually making it. So if I was his agent, I would advise him to stay. Those comparisons are just both really interesting ones, aren't they? Because they're both very fresh in the mind with Sessegnon leaving and and not really hitting the, hitting the mark at, at Spurs. But then Harvey Elliott, in a very similar position to Carvalho going off and, and doing well at Liverpool until the injury. So it, it is a difficult one, but the case in point is that Harvey Elliott was sent out on loan to Blackburn for a spell in the championship first. So I, I think I'd, I'd advise him to sign the contract here. Um, and then, you know, if he's good enough, then he'll be picked up by, by a team that's good enough. And the team that's, Kind of giving him the opportunity, will uh, will get compensated for it as well. So, uh, but it's it's not about the compensation for me. I don't I don't care about the money. I don't see that side of it as a fan. I just I, I think that for his development and and for the good of Fulham as well this season, I, I I think he needs to stick around. Let's come on to the goalkeeper situation at Fulham. Then I personally couldn't understand how Paolo Gazzaniga, who's been a number two everywhere he he's played, 
walked straight into the side at the start of the season ahead of Marit Rodak. It seems common sense has prevailed, though, as since returning to the side against QPR, Rodak's kept five clean sheets in six games, Tristan. Yeah, I th- I'd, I'd, I'd agree. I think, I mean, it was a weird one in that he was, didn't he get in the championship team of the season um, the, under Parker? I, I mean, he, he, he was definitely, you know, rated as one of the best keepers in the league. So to to, to, to kind of have him there and, and still bring someone in who's, you rightly say, he's been a number two for most of his career is a bit of a, 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 a bit of a weird one. Um I mean, I think it's going to take a, a, some mistakes of epic proportions for him to lose his place now. But funnily enough, we've we've had the same situation kind of time and time again with keepers, haven't we? Where one started the season, you know, we had the button Bettinelli one and et cetera, et cetera, Fabri, Rico. It seems to be almost every season that happens. Even going back, you know, to Lonergan days, you know, <laughs> you know, he started the season and then Bettinelli came in. So I think it, 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 it's something we've seen quite a lot. Hopefully this season we've made the goalkeeper switch earlier um, than we had done in previous seasons. And it looks like Rodak's got, got that position nailed down now. And Simeon, I think the the other thing, aside from the goalkeeper, the, the Fulham defence this season, all good teams are built on a good defence. And the fact that we've got these clean sheets now uh, in a row and we just look very difficult to break down. All right, we've got lucky on occasion. We, we probably deserve to concede a goal at least against Peterborough at the weekend. But the point is that not only are we firing on all cylinders up front, but we we have got a solid defence there as well. Yeah, I mean, you look great at both ends of the pitch. It's hard to see what's going to go too wrong at the moment from an outside perspective. You obviously have Tosin, who's great. Obviously, had the red card in well, the red card against West Brom, but he's he's been brilliant. Aside from that, you've got Tim Ream, who is of course a brilliant championship defender. Question marks about the Premier League. Same with Dennis Adoy. That is the issue, though. Of course, going forward, is that you you have this level of player who will seem to be top-level championship players, but then don't quite make that step up to the Premier League, apart from maybe the left-back Robinson, who probably would be good enough for the Premier League still and was good last season, has been very good this season. So, yeah, it's been great. And obviously, you've got the base of midfield as well to help it all out. It's just it's a very well-functioning unit at the moment. Yeah, I think um, at the moment, it, what, what looks quite promising to me is that um, we've... Assuming Kenny Tete comes back into the team, which we're all assuming he will, then love Dennis. He's done really well, but I think it's only a matter of time before that happens. Um, we've potentially got four of our back five for a, a go at the Premier League again, which you know, with Rodak in goal, because I think he deserves his toss in, and, and potentially Robinson at left back. I'm not a massive fan of Robinson, but I think with the pace he's got, um, he does. He seems to be improving every game, um, and I think there's potential there. I, I would probably stick with him. So you've got four of a back five there and a base to build from, which I don't think we've had in in other promotion seasons. You know, obviously, when we went up under Slav, um, Target went back to Southampton. Fredericks was out of contract, uh, and we was playing Dennis Adoy as a centre back. So it was. I feel like this time it's a lot healthier. Um, and by keeping the group, uh, the majority of the players from last season, apart from the lone ones together, I feel like we're we're feeling the benefit of that, that we're there's actually a bit of continuity with the, with the squad. Um, it's, it's the same faces that we saw last year in a lot of positions. And if we go up, I think like we have potentially got five or six players that could start in a Premier League team. Which, all right, it's not great, 
but it's a lot better than last time when we started that game against Arsenal, lost 3-0, and within about three weeks, the whole eleven was completely changed. Yeah, you know, so we're in a much better position now than than we was then. Yeah, I I, I agree, Danny. I think that you, you're you're right. I'm not I'm not sold on Robinson the same as you. I think it's not actually defensively. It's the fact that he, he, his delivery of a ball isn't isn't what you need. I think with with especially with Mitro. But but that aside, I mean, if I if 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 we were looking forward to next season and we go up, the one thing I would do is break the bank on a centre back to play alongside. Adarabio, and actually most of the rest of the defence, as, you, as you've rightly said, you're happy with. And, and it's rather than try and bring in a load of players in different positions for kind of 10, 15 million each, I'd, I'd be going after one, you know, as good as we can get centre-back through the door. And, and that'd be my main signing of the summer, I think. You've got to feel a little bit sorry for Joe Bryan as well. I think he was just starting to play his way back into the side. And then both times he's... he's... Uh, got back into the team. He's come off injured, and, and Robinson's just come back in when perhaps Robinson's form wasn't as good as it as it might have been. But yeah, Joe Bryan crashed into the post against QPR, trying to keep yeah. their goal out, yeah. um, and he's just been out ever since. But he's 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 a he's a popular guy, Joe Bryan, isn't he? And and it would be good to get him in and back in and around the squad. But uh, another thing that that's that's been very good recently as well, and I've said this on the podcast um, quite recently as well, is the strength of our bench at the moment. Because you've either got Harrison Reed and Carvalho on the bench, or you've got Kearney and Carvalho on the bench, and then a couple of strong centre halves as well. If um, if Tosin's in the team, then you've got Hector on the bench, and either Robinson or Joe Bryan. It's a solid bench as opposed to just a players for for the sake of having having players on the bench, isn't it? It's a, I, I think our strength in depth, and also how match fit those players that are on the bench are going to be going into the Christmas period is is going to stand us in good stead. And again, I said this the other day on the pod as well, but I see us being top and clear by Christmas. Yeah, and I think I I I think I think we go I think we're we're either top before we play Bournemouth or we go top that night. And I think once we go top, yeah, we stay top. I don't I don't I don't see anyone going back past us. Yeah, I have made some bold predictions this season that haven't quite come off, but I'm I'm confident in that one, let's say. <laughs> um, Fulham has scored four or more goals in five games this season, including that 7-0 thrashing of Blackburn last week. Guys, what's been your favourite match so far out of the 17? Is it 17 or 18 games? 17 games, isn't it? What's What's been your favourite? Um, I mean, for me, an early one, but Huddersfield, I, I loved, yeah. I loved, I, I always like going to Huddersfield anyway, but... I, it, it was, it was a game that encapsulated the real difference between the, the 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 two championship campaigns under the last two managers. Where, when when Wilson got sent off and it was it was three one at the time, you just knew under Parker it had been three attacking players off and three defenders on and and hold on to the three one with half an hour to go. And under Carve uh, under Silver, he actually made a. An attacking substitution. We ended up scoring two more goals and winning five-one, and that 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 just summed everything. And it was a great day. And Mitrovic got his goal off his ass, and all the rest of it, and all, all the things that <laughs> you needed to fall into place, kind of did. And yeah, it was it was a brilliant day out. That um, but there definitely, there's been a few to be fair, but that was that was a great great match. The good thing about that one as well, and I, I'd, I'd have picked the same one as well, was that um, it was the first away game that we've been to for, for a long time, given lockdown. It was the first time fans were allowed in at an away game since Bristol City, just before lockdown. And to go and go and do it 5-1 were, was an incredible. And it was, it was a great day out. Yeah, yeah, spot on. 
for my pick, am I allowed to say Coventry away? <laughs> <laughs> you can pick whatever you want. No, uh, just from a perspective, it's the most recent one I actually got to. Obviously, I, I don't see as many of the 90 minutes as you guys do, but I thought Fulham, the Fulham-Swansea game, that midweek night game, I, I was there. I really enjoyed it just because of how, I mean, the, the first goal was dodgy, but just the second two finishes from Mitrovic were just so clinical. It just And you just get into that stage where it just proved how, how good he was and how good he can be again at this level. And the control of the second half was just impeccable. We've seen Swansea... Have, looking a pretty good side now in the championship. So it was it was such a good performance, as a controlled performance, as a proper performance of a team that's going to close out a game, not expend too much energy, get your striker off early and just get the three points and get home and get it done. And also it was an incredibly easy match report to write because it was a few goals in the first half and nothing happened in the second half. So for me, it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, my mind would be the same as Tristan's. It would be Huddersfield away. He bloody stole my stole my pick. Um, for all the, all the same reasons you guys have said, really, like first away game in such a long time, um, and oh, we had a, a a reasonable start at home to Borough. Um, we had players like Francois playing, and and they did their best. And I thought it was a good audition for um, Silver's brand of football. It, it there was it was encouraging signs of things to come. Um, so it was quite optimistic, but at the same time, it was only a one-all draw. You don't want to go into the next game and get another draw because then all of a sudden you're starting slow. So it just it was reassuring. It just confirmed everything I thought of Scott Parker was was we were right to to have a fresh start and go with someone like Silva because it was it was for me what happened when Harry Wilson got sent off. So we're three one up with twenty minutes to go. You think hold on to the lead and, and you know, protect it at all costs, get your first win under your belts. But instead of bringing on Maxime Lamarchon, which is what Scott Parker seemed to do, that was his go-to substitution in the last five minutes in the in the first half of that season, wasn't it? Bring on Lamarchon and hold on to a 1-0 lead. Instead of doing that, he brought on Cavalero. And I remember him saying in his, his um, conferences after the game, saying that the thought process with that was, they were the home team. They were 3-1 down. We were down to 10 men. Their hand was forced. They had to try and go for it, which meant that we was going to have space to get them on the break. And by bringing on Cavalero a bit of pace, you know, he would have more space to score goals. And, and it worked a treat, didn't it? And to, to go and win 5-1 with 10 men, just I think it just confirmed for me that Silva was going to be the right man and that we were too good for this division. Um, because... I came away from that game thinking to myself, Huddersfield are in trouble here. You know, yeah. I don't think we'll play many teams that bad. And and they're doing all right. So <laughs> you know what I mean? It just yeah. it just shows you it shows you how weak the division is and, and how strong we are, I think, that game. I think is a good example. Um other than that game, uh, not not because I enjoyed it, but more for importance, I think going to Peterborough off the back of winning seven nil. And a couple of days later, not playing very well, having a team that's almost treating it like a cup tyre in your face um, and and grinding out a 1-0 win. For me, that's arguably the most important result of the season because it shows that there's two sides to this Fulham team. Mm. Uh, and, and, I, and that's why I feel, it, yeah, I agree with you guys. Once we go top, I think we'll stay there. Just how far can this side go this season then and beyond this season? Could this be the time that we go up and stay up? Simeon, what do you think? 
it's always hard to know at this stage because you have to see what happens in the summer of the recruitment. That's something you need to get right because you've got it wrong twice in a row now and both in very different ways. You've got it quite badly wrong. So you don't know. Again, Marco Silva has had some good and bad spells as a manager in the Premier League. You have to get there first, obviously, as well. But I think you will just because, as you've talked about, the league is weak. There's a lot of playoff-looking sides there aren't many sides that look like they will push into that top two or three. West Brom don't look great at the moment. Bournemouth looks strong. I think it will be you and Bournemouth probably. And it just depends on what order is. As you said, if Mitrovic stays fit, if you keep going like this, you probably will win the league just because of how good your squad is, how good your manager is, how well everything's working at the moment. The Premier League is another question altogether where you'd have to look at how things are down the road with the recruitment, with the manager, with everything else. But you're in as good a position now as you've ever been in terms of how much deeper your squad is and it has been before because of the signings you made and because of the players that are staying around this time and that type of thing. So, yeah, it's looking good. Yeah, I'd, 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 I kind of agree with all of that and just, just expand on it a little bit. I think, you know, the fact that we're, we're, we're not finishing a season with 147 players on loan, you know, and then replacing them with another 147 players on, on loan, hopefully next season, I, I think that'll... That'll benefit us. I mentioned it earlier. You know, if you if you can if, if if we can get the automatic slot, then we get a bit more time to prepare as well. So I think that's an important factor. And then you you, you know back to Matt's favourite topic: his eyes will roll. Um, you know, from the financial fair play point of view, and the and the spending and stuff like that. A lot of that excess spend and the the silly spend from, um, you know the 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 Yukanovich promotion season, the summer, the, the Seri summer, let's call it. Um, a lot of that amortisation has dropped off and dropped through. So actually, in terms of what we'll have available to spend and, and what headroom we'll have, that 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 will increase quite dramatically as well. So I think we'll we'll have budget to be able to bring players in rather than rely on loans and stuff like that as well. So I think yeah, we're we're we, we've got the potential to be in the best position from a a recruitment and a preparation point of view and, and and I would say that if if we can't make it stick this time then I'd, I'd start to think that a, a, a real proper brush needs to be swept through the club and, and some serious changes have to be made because quite honestly if we can't make it stick with with the way things are looking at the moment then it, it's difficult to see whether we'll ever be able to do it. Yeah obviously we got it massively wrong the first time around with 100 million um completely bought the wrong type of players, didn't have enough Premier League experience in there. Uh, and I, I'm, the last time round, I, I, it's, it's difficult to judge because, you know, with the way that this, it was such a short turnaround, there was hardly even a pre-season, was there? To get in the players needed to start the new season was a tough ask. And, and I think that's always a downfall of being the playoff winner. You just you give yourself so much uncertainty and so much limited time to prepare for the following season. Um, remember when we was uh, promoting us to Ghana, we knew, you know, February, March sort of time, we knew we were going up. You can already start looking ahead. And we yeah. did. And we brought in Alan Goma in March. Yeah. Ready-made centre-back for the next next step. Um, because, you know, uh, and and that's... I think the advantage you get when you run away with it. So we need to keep this up um, because I, I do think we'll have like a two or three month head start on whoever is in the playoffs. Um, I don't. The squad last season wasn't wasn't good enough, but I don't. 
I don't look at it and think that we went down because of recruitment. I think we went down because management didn't get the best out of the group we had. When when you think we won two home games all season, we recorded our lowest ever goals scored with nine, lowest ever wins at home, lowest ever points total at home in in a history that goes back to like 1907. You know, how does a manager come out of that and look good? Um, so I, I think as as disappointing as the recruitment has been with the loans and that, I, I do think we it was better than the first time round. Put it that way, it wasn't wasn't good, but it was better. And if we can go one better again, I, I feel like we are in the best possible position we could be in. But it also feels to me that like the likes of Tony Khan seem to have taken a back step, and. Silver seems to have more of a say in things. You know, Muniz, he's made. He said on on several occasions was was one of his choices. He wanted him. Um, so it's key that he's more involved. It's key that we get away from the way we was running the club before, um, because I do feel like Tristan, like Tristan said, this is like a last chance saloon for me. If we go up this time and they fuck it up, then I I just I'll lose all faith in them. What's the point? What's the point? That's three tight chances in a row that it's gone wrong. So this time they have to get it right. There's well, the obvious for- comparison with Norwich as well, isn't there? Norwich just perennial yo-yo side that they go up and then barely make a, a a try of staying up, and now they've just sat their manager. And it, it's boring. Like you get one brilliant season in the championship, or one good season in the championship, where you get promoted. This one so far has shaped it up to be one of the one of the better ones, hopefully. But if it if it ultimately ends in another miserable year in the Premier League, I, I've got to be honest, I don't want it. Yeah, I'd 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 I totally get that, Matt, and I I agree to some extent. Um, I think it's. I the, the even under the, the you know we had that long era under Fayed and really the, the the memorable seasons were the great escape because it was just a bit ridiculous at the end and the, and then obviously you know the European campaigns but it took something that special for a season to be memorable and actually if we were to sit here we're we're we're, we're similar age and list our ten most memorable seasons that the, the the bulk of them would probably be outside of the Premier League because you just you know the the majority of seasons in the Premier League are. A, at best, a kind of treading water in mid-table and at worst, a, a desperate scramble for survival. All right, well, let's, um, let's wrap things up then. Let's end with a, a prediction of how many, how many points and how many goals you think this, this side's capable of. Tristan, what do you reckon, mate? Um, right, well, I, I did, I did the analysis and comparisons on, um, on our last promotion campaigns and at the moment we're kind of trending pretty close to Tagana. So po- points wise, I reckon he's going to just, we're going to just pit Tagana and Keegan and get 102. Um, goals, I'm going to go for, Tagana got 91, so I'm going to go 95. I think we'll just miss out on the 100. I reckon Mitro will get 44. Do you? 44 yeah. would be ridiculous. To get, to get 44, He'd only need twenty-four in the last twenty-nine games, which which would be his his run rate in the championship for Fulham. Hmm. All right, no, it's Let's not it's that not that up. outlandish, <laughs> but it's not. But when when you say it quickly, you think one player getting forty-four goals in forty-six games. Yeah, would be incredible. Fingers crossed. I'd love it. 
I'd love it. How about you, Sim? Ian, what do you reckon? Uh, I haven't run the numbers, so this is going to be more plucked out of the air than what I've just heard from Tristan. But I will say, I'll say 98 points, just because I think you will get promoted quite early, and then there is a natural foot off the gas moment if you're not being chased. That's true. Uh, I think Mitrovic will score 37 goals. I think he'll slow down a bit in the second half of the season as well, but that's still like a ridiculous season where he's going to break all kinds of records. And I think you will get over 100 goals as a club as well, just because you have so much going for you so I'll say 105 total goals just because you've got so many goal scorers all over the pitch that can just chip in so I'll take that that'll do and Danny last word to you mate I'm going to go for the record fuck it why not you know what I mean <laughs> we're doing well we're all happy let's let's go for it I reckon we're going to get 108 points and get the record <laughs> uh we're going to get we're going to get 100 and 100 goals let's just go 100 goals let's let's not get too carried away <laughs> and Mitro, I'm going to go for 40. I think, I think he'll just miss out on that Frank Frank Newton record, but um, that that'll give him. I mean, that'll give him the championship record for life. Because let's face it, most most of these random old school um, records are from back in the day. That you know, when I don't think defending was was the same as it is now. Mm-hmm. You know, in the champion history of the championship the record's 31. If he gets to 40, I don't think I'll ever be beaten. So let's go 40. 40, 100 goals, 108 points, and onto the Premier League. Come on, that'll do. That'll do. All right, guys, let's leave it there for this week. Danny, thanks, mate, as always. Yeah, no, no nice one. Really enjoyed it. And thanks, Simeon, for coming on. Uh, really appreciate no, it. No problem, guys. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure. Cheers for having me. Yeah, cheers, Simeon. And Tristan, I'm sure I'll stumble into you at away game soon if we don't speak on the podcast before. Yeah, will do. Cheers, Matt. Cheers, everyone. Take it, Take, easy, care. Take it easy. We'll be back next Thursday with a preview of the Barnsley game. So enjoy the international break and speak to you then. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.